the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's Tuesday, January the 11th, 2022, in the year of our Lord. Today on January 11, 1908, President Theodore Roosevelt, he proclaimed the Grand Canyon a national monument. It became a national park in 1919. Today in 1861, Alabama became the fourth state to withdraw from the Union. Today in 1913, the first enclosed sedan-type automobile went on display at the 13th National Automobile Show in New York. What kind of an automobile do you think that was? A Ford? Nope. A Chevy? No. It was a Hudson. Hudson was the first enclosed sedan type automobile that may not mean much to you but i'm always interested i like cars today in 1935 amelia Earhart she began an 18-hour trip from honolulu to oakland california that made her the first person to fly solo across any part of the pacific ocean today in 1943 the united states and britain signed treaties relinquishing extraterritorial rights in china Today in 1989, nine days before leaving the White House, President Ronald Reagan, he told the nation farewell in a primetime address, and he said of his eight years in office, quote, we meant to change a nation, and instead we changed a world. Indeed he did. Today in 2020, health authorities in the central Chinese city of Wuhan they reported the first death from what had been identified as some kind of new type of coronavirus today in 2020. Boy, we've stopped using the word Wuhan or Chinese in regards to that. We can't do that, but we sure haven't gotten past their virus, have we? It's amazing. I hear a lot of people today just in the world and wherever I happen to be on the media sometimes, but more often in person, I hear people saying, you know, I just, man, sometimes I get so depressed. The world just seems to be so out of control. And it does seem to be out of control because a great part of it is out of control, humanly speaking. And sometimes I hear people say, I just get depressed. In fact, I often get notes from those of you who support this ministry who say, man, I don't listen to the news anymore, or I listen to very little news. I just can't handle it anymore. I understand that. It's very depressing today in this world. I mean, people are doing things that are so stupid, and I'm not very smart, but I mean, I look at it and I think, it's so stupid. Why are they doing this? They don't know. They're just driven by some kind of an obsession over something and they find themselves doing things that are almost unthinkable whether it's politicians or these athletes are getting paid tens of millions of dollars and they're trashing 
the very public that buys tickets to basketball games or football games or whatever that gives them their tens of millions of dollars to go out there and play a game. You just have to wonder sometimes, what are these people? So the world the world is, is in chaos, apparently, or it appears to be. But I, I try to say often on this program, but the chaos is controlled. It's in the hands of someone who has everything in control. And that's God. And I believe that with all of my heart. I don't think the psalmist knew much about the Wuhan virus, but he did know a lot about life itself. Psalm 43.5 says, Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him, who is the health of my countenance and my God. Isaiah wrote to God's people, and he said, For for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. The prophet Jeremiah said it like this. He said, Call unto me, and I will answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things, which thou knowest not. Writing to the Romans, Paul said, What shall we then say to these things? And he was talking about troubling things. If God be for us, who can be against us? Take that with you today, because that's the most important thing that I'm going to say. That is the word of the Lord. President Biden is heading to Georgia today. (laughs) He's going to be... Well, the White House says he's going to be giving a very um, uh, stern um, speech in Georgia today. He's going to endorse changing Senate rules to pass new voting rights protections. He'll be in Atlanta. He will not go so far as to call for a full-scale elimination of the filibuster. That's the ability. It's a Senate tradition it allows the minority party to kill legislation that fails to get 60 votes, like from the other side or whatever political side. So he's not going to call for the abolition of that necessarily. But what they're saying, his people are saying, and this is very important because, man, if, if, if that was gone with the Democrats in the controlling position they're in right now politically, I mean, what would they not do? So this is very important. But they're saying that he is, Biden is not going to suggest that he support. I mean, who knows what he's going to say? He probably doesn't know what he's going to say. But anyway, he's not going to fully support um, eliminating the filibuster, but he's going to call for a carve out in the case of voting rights. And he's going to be talking about voting rights in Georgia. And they have chosen Georgia because there was a lot said and a lot to do about the voting there in the last presidential election, as you'll recall. So the White House is prepping the press so they'll know what to write about this. And what they're saying to the press this morning, he's like on his way as we're speaking here. He may He's probably there by now. 
But what they're telling the press is they're saying Mr. Biden will lean on the power of symbolism when he travels to Georgia. He and Mrs. Miss Ms. Harris will visit the crypt of the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. and his wife Coretta Scott King. They will visit the historic Ebenezer Baptist Church where both Dr. King and Mr. Lewis, the Georgia congressman and civil rights icon for whom the legislation is named, were eulogized. Senator Raphael Warnock, the state's first black senator and a Democrat who is seeking a full term this year after a runoff victory, and is the senior pastor of that church. Now, I talked quite a bit about that when he won that election last fall. He is one of the most far-left preachers I have ever met, and boy, I've met a lot of them. I've interviewed a lot of them over the years, particularly on television, trying to help people understand where these guys are coming from when they get behind a pulpit in a church. In the afternoon, this afternoon, Biden and Harris plan to speak at this Atlanta University. It's a kind of a consortium of different historically black colleges there, as I understand it. But anyway, that's what's happening. And what they're saying is that President Biden plans to deliver, this is from the White House this morning, plans to deliver an angry speech condemning Georgia's election integrity laws that the Republicans have put in place, like you have to, you know, you have to be who you say you are and you have to be a citizen to vote. And um, the White House put out a little excerpt of his speech, and it says, it says in there that he's going to portray himself as a dominant force Mr. President Biden, against the shadow and the domestic threat posed by Republicans in Georgia and across this country. So he's going to be angry when he speaks today. Part of what I noticed, part of what they said he's going to say, this is from his text, the text of his speech. Will we choose democracy over autocracy, light over shadow, justice over injustice? I know where I stand. I will not yield. I will not flinch. I will defend your right to vote in our democracy against all enemies, foreign and domestic. That's going to be the tone of what the president says in his speech. I want to touch on something that I mentioned yesterday. In New York State, New York City specifically, the this, the city council has passed and the mayor, this new mayor, Signed, and I mentioned he signed it on Sunday, and I mentioned it yesterday on this program. It it, it allows uh, more than 800,000, some are saying up to a million, foreign nationals that are here, not citizens, to vote. And the Republicans now, and and one Democrat, in fact, have filed a lawsuit to stop this. And I, I'm not going to talk a lot about that, but I want to talk about the concept of national sovereignty today a little bit from a biblical perspective. But this guy, one guy, that the um, he's a New York Republican. He, he's chairman of, the, I guess, the New York Republican Party. It's Nick Langworthy. He told the press uh, this morning, he said, the law is clear and the ethics are even clearer. We shouldn't be allowing citizens of other nations to vote in our elections. <laughs> 
Can you believe we're even having that conversation here in America? That we should be, there should be two sides on this issue and we're discussing it and fighting over it, filing lawsuits that citizens of Honduras should not be coming here to decide what, who is in office in America or wherever they're from. I mean, who would have thought that we would ever even have to have this conversation, much less a lawsuit? But the lawsuit is the only thing this guy said, this Republican chairman of the uh, Langworthy, he said the lawsuit is the only thing that will stop them from their ultimate goal of eradicating all the lines between citizens and non-citizens. That's what I want to talk a little bit about today. But first I want to say thank you for your support. It is obviously necessary. If it weren't for you, I wouldn't be here. So thank you so much. You allow this ministry to do what we do, and uh, we are we have a growing response, positive response to this ministry. Of course, there are people who disagree with it. There are people who get nervous when we do straight talk. But we're careful, and we try to be, I try to be um, mindful of where the lines are legally and so on. But I think we're at a time when we need to stand up and just, to the best of our ability, just tell the truth. Turn on the light. I mean, why would we be afraid of that? Unless we are up to some mischief. So I want to thank you for allowing me to do that. And I do it with a pastor's heart. And I do it from a biblical point of view. I'm not interested in politics, except that that's what charts the course of our nation from a human perspective. And of course, we're all concerned and interested in it. And we should be involved in it and engaged. And so that's our message. But the Bible, the Bible is the essence of what we're trying to do with this program, that perspective from God's perspective. His ways are higher than ours. His thoughts are way above my thoughts, I can tell you. But the closer we can get to God's thoughts and God's ways, the better we will understand and the more at peace we will be with our world. So that's the message that we try. We come at it from a lot of different angles, but that's where I'm coming from every day on this program that originates live, as you know, at 9 o'clock on ACN, and then it's aired elsewhere during the course of the day. So thank you for supporting this. And we are, um, we have a lot of people listening to this program. All reports tell me a lot. And I know from the responses we get, just notes and people commenting and so on, there's real interest in what we're doing. And I'm humbled and I'm grateful to those of you who support us. Thank you. Don't forget us this month, okay? And those of you who may not support us, but you've been thinking about it, uh, this would be a great time to join. We need your support. Our address is Box 399, Bellevue, Washington, 98009. Box 399, Bellevue, 98009. Or you can contribute online at faithandfreedom, all one word, dot U.S. Not dot com or dot whatever. There's a whole bunch of faith and freedoms out there now. We've been using that name for quite some time, but we couldn't copyright it. So a lot of people are using it now. Faithandfreedom.us. There's an immigration watchdog group that's predicting that the left will refuse to retreat from their overwhelming, unpopular 
position on illegal immigration. We pretty much know if you're in, informed, and I believe most of you, many of you listening are, we know that illegal immigration seems to be almost an obsession with the left. It's a great part of their political uh, agenda. Just no borders, basically. Only the pretense, at best, of a border, of national borders and national sovereignty for America. The Pope, the Pope is urging the world not to hide behind walls and fences. He said that. I'll come back to that in a moment. I'm not here to criticize the Pope. I know there's quite a few Catholics that, that listen to this program, but man, he hides behind walls and fences. Have you ever been to the Vatican there and I mean, Marjorie and I were there some years ago, and we walked around and looked at it. Man, there's walls and fences and locked doors all over the place, and I, as it should be, for goodness sakes. I mean, who doesn't understand why that should be? But is open borders a spiritual, biblical position of the left? Is it truly out of compassion, or is it the newest version of an old tactic? Not the Pope, but the politicians. What does the Bible say? We'll talk about that. This Mark Kergorkian, he's the executive director of the Center for Immigration Studies. He was talking to American Family News a couple of days ago, and he said, quote, the Democrats are unwilling to moderate their their uh, radical immigration stances despite Election Day now just 10 months away. He went on to say, he said, only the Democrats get, he said, only if they get annihilated in this November election of this year of 2022, he said, I think, will they reconsider their open borders ideas? Well, I think he's right. But you have to ask yourself, because they couch this, and Biden is doing that today, basically. He's going to be talking about, from a, trying to sound like he's coming from a spiritual point of view. The Pope certainly was coming from a spiritual point of view about immigration. And I don't think anybody is opposed to immigration. I'm not if it's done properly and orderly. In fact, it's biblical if it's proper and orderly. But just tearing down walls and opening borders and becoming a crossroads of the world and without any kind of order is not biblical. It isn't. It is a moral issue. It is a political issue. And it is a biblical issue. Obama was a globalist. He's, I mean, he is a globalist. But he was careful not to quite be as overt. Maybe he's just better spoken than some of his cohorts, like his former vice president, in their presenting of this globalist view. The stark difference kind of played out the other day from an old uh, tweet on Twitter this guy, Jamal Simmons is his name. He was, back in 2010, 12 years ago, he was uh, watching MSNBC, and he saw they had two undocumented people on there uh, interviewing them. Uh, one was an activist, one was, I don't know, something else, but they were illegals. So he posted, this Jamal, Jamal Simmons, in 2010, he posted, quote, Can someone explain why ICE is not picking them up, referring to these two that were on MSNBC at the time. He was watching it. Now, Simmons is the new, he just got the job recently, communications director for Vice President Harris. He's groveling now for forgiveness 
over a social media post that a majority of Americans agree with, but his far-left radical political party considers his statement of national security to be racist and xenophobic. So he's taking the heat for a 12-year-old tweet that he did in a probably an unguarded moment. It's interesting. But in an apology, Simmons wrote just the other day, he said, I am so sorry for offending those who care as much as I do about making America the best multi-ethnic diverse democracy it can be. Well, apparently, immigrants are only all God's children when that deeply held belief advances a secular progressive agenda. I don't want to sound like a cynic, and I often ask God to help me not to be, because I see a lot in preparation for this program in particular, but man, I mean, is this really a a moral issue in these people's hearts? I don't think it is. I really don't. Here we are now in a new year, and we have the same old crisis. They carry it year to year to year. They're always trying to solve the immigration problem. But the left doesn't want to solve the problems. They want to work on solving the problem. There's a lot of difference between that. They don't want an outcome. They just want to use solving the problems, whatever they may be. And we're talking about immigration now. They want to be working on it, like making progress and so on. So they can talk about it and talk about it. They can throw millions, if not tens or hundreds of millions of dollars at these issues that often don't even go to the issue. I mean, remember infrastructure just a matter of weeks ago? So anyway, Julia Rosas is a guy, he's with Town Hall, and they publish a lot of stuff, but he's been down, he's been down on the border now for the last couple of years, maybe more. I mean, writing a lot of articles, very good articles. I mean, eyewitness firsthand kind of stuff. He said yesterday, quote, the crisis at the U.S.-Mexican border has continued on into 2022, and recent examples of who has been arrested after illegal crossing the border show the more sinister side of the national problem. He goes on, he verifies a number of of, uh, arrests that have been made even in the last few days. And most of these people, I'm condensing this down for time, but most of the people who are being arrested at the border, most of, not all, but most, have a history of sex abuse of children, theft, violence, even murder. Some murder, not most, but some, even murder. He put all these details out. I mean, it's a pretty lengthy story, and it has a lot of content in it. I included it in a blog that I wrote today, an article on our website. But Pope Francis made an interesting comment to me. I mean, it caught my attention, and he said these things before. I'm not a Catholic, and I don't understand all the dynamics of the Catholic Church. I mean, I understand their theology. I've studied it. But, man, he said, he made this statement. He said, we cannot hide from migrants behind walls and barbed wires. He railed against the dehumanization of migrants, calling for shared responsibility among European nations in welcoming migrants. He said in the face of increasing movements of migration, quote, the Pope We cannot be indifferent or hide behind walls and barbed wires under the pretext of defending security or a style of life. He said he was aware of the difficulties that some states encounter in the face of a large influx of people. He said no one can be asked to do the impossible, yet there is a clear difference between accepting, albeit in a limited way, and rejecting completely. 
And the Vatican tweeted yesterday, Mary and Joseph were immigrants. The Pope concluded his comments with this. He said, the issue of migration together with the pandemic and climate change has already demonstrated that we cannot be saved alone and by ourselves and the great challenges of our time are all global. It is thus troubling that alongside the greater interconnection of problems, we are seeing growing fragmentation of solutions. He said, quote, what is needed instead is a recovery of our sense of shared identity as a single human family. Is this what devout Catholic Joe Biden is working toward? Or is it really about advancing an agenda? I think it's about advancing an agenda, to be honest with you. Sam Rohr is president of American Pastors Network. He put out a piece the other day, and I'm going to quote a little bit from him and some from myself in the last several minutes here. But he said, immigration and border control issues dominate our news and divide our nation, but God's not divided, nor is he confused on this or any other issue. Neither should we be. I agree. And as I said, I'm going to be quoting him just for the next couple of minutes and be quoting some of my own comments as well. In fact, he said there are clear biblical principles on why no one should be confused about God's position on immigration and borders. Let's look at a verse that I have mentioned often on this program. It's in Acts chapter 17, verse 26. It talks about borders. Look it up. Paul says that God established nations and borders. Daniel chapter 2 says that God raises up leaders and nations and he puts them down. I would say God is involved in national sovereignty. Without borders, there's no order. There's no law. There's no justice. Without borders, God's promise to bless the nation whose God is the Lord could never occur. There wouldn't be a nation. God's plan of redemption revolves around nations in time. Now, God's going to judge all nations who reject him. Is it any wonder that the coming Antichrist and the globalists are demanding open borders. I mean, we're being prepared for what the Bible has said, says will happen. If borders or walls are immoral, as even some pastors say from the pulpits, then Nehemiah was wrong. And even more so, God himself would be wrong because heaven has walls and gates. In fact, Jesus said, whoever circumvents one gate and climbs in another way is a thief and a robber. Borders are essential to nations. In fact, the definition of a nation includes a common language, a common view of God, a common border. God's blessing and judgment are bestowed on individuals and nations. Borders and border control are essential to protect a nation's citizens. And, I mean, I don't know what part of that they don't get, but they don't care. Additionally, this immigration controversy is not only political, but it is moral. The scripture, uh, scripture say that, that's used most often by the, the far left in churches, religious left, is Leviticus 19.34, and where God commanded Israel to welcome the stranger or sojourner. But by itself, that verse sounds compelling. But the, there's two different words used there in the original language. One is in the text is the word ger, G-E-R, and it means the, the immigrant wanting to assimilate and the other word that is used is ur, and it's a word that they don't want to assimilate. It's very, very clear. 
in God's word. It's a whole study. But I, I will tell you, God is for borders and national sovereignty. He set it up that way. That's the way it is. Hey, thanks for being here. I'll see you tomorrow. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.